0: I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was gonna die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast. Where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. All right, today I want to welcome Ben Brown. He is a former Marine and current sales coach. And you know, I love Marines. Ben started sales coaching when he was at BNI. He realized that many small businesses don't use a sales process. Boy, isn't that true. In fact, many businesses don't think sales training is important until it starts to affect their revenue. And sadly, I think a lot of people are running into that. uh, So stay tuned. But he started working with business owners, and that resulted in what he calls the rapid success sales process. It is a proven 10-step uh, process that gets more clients and more sales. And welcome, Ben.
1: Good morning to you. How's everything, Mr. Andrews?
0: Uh, it's going well. And I got to say, Semper Fi, it's good to have a, a former Marine on the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's always good to be out there and talking to I met one of my former Marines this weekend we we're uh, hanging out and doing it. An, uh, um, an event this weekend and we started working together and the guy said you must be military and i go yeah military marine he goes semper fi that's why we get along and we've been working together for 20 minutes before we realized we were brothers because all marines are brothers yeah how
0: um what led you to get in the marine corps and how long were you in
1: i grew up in a small town didn't have a lot of options getting out so I had a tennis scholarship. I wasn't really feeling college, looking for a different avenue. My father raised me properly. Uh, the, I said my father raised me. The Marines made me a man. Um, plus the fact it was only four hours away, your options for bases. You know, you'll be at California or Lejeune. And that was four hours from my house. So I didn't know of, of the, the grueling part, like how difficult it would be. But I was thinking about the weekends I would have coming home Uh, getting my mom's food, which I did. And so I went through all of that just so I can come home and get something to eat every once in a while. You know, $13 in gas to get from Lejeune to my house. And I was home and mom would cook all weekend and I would go back, but I was barely even home and we were gone a lot. So that's why uh, I picked a few to pro. Yeah. And what'd you do in the Marines? I was artillery. Okay. Yes. Lobbing the shells in. Yeah. Gun rock.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And so I was, yeah, I was at Cherry Point just uh, about 45 minutes from Lejeune Mm -hmm. and um, it's, you know, I, I love the Marine Corps. Uh, I credit the Marine Corps for giving me the mindset to go through the recovery I've had to go through for the last couple of years, learning how to walk and, you know, rebuild and it's still hard, but uh, no, Semper Fi.
1: Yeah. Semper Fi.
0: So you were telling me some story about something significant that happened 10 years ago.
1: Mm -hmm. What happened? So so, um, when you look at your life, um, I was adopted and I assume I was adopted 20 days after based on my birth certificate. And so it's just me and my sister, but I have like 80 cousins. And we're the only two that's adopted out of the 80 on both sides of the family. And I went to my sister and I asked her, I said, where's my baby pictures? Because I assume they adopted me like six days after. Um, and my sister, who's seven years older than I am, said, um, you don't have any baby pictures because we didn't get you to your three. And I never asked. And I'm like, no, you got me six days after. And, this, and she says, no, I was there. Uh, we got you at three years old. Go ask your dad. So my dad is still around. He's 95, just celebrated 28, Feb 95. So I go to my dad, the silent generation. he's gener- And he goes, yeah, go get your paperwork. I'm like, what paperwork? So we go an old footlocker. And I realized I was in foster care for three years. Wow. So I'm like, huh, my mom passed the year before. So I took the paperwork and went to a Georgia adoption agency, paid the $300 normally it would take 6 months to find a parent or anything and you have three options
0: hey so let me, child, and let me pause real quick just to make sure we're we're following tracks she said your mom had passed 3 years earlier that was your the mom that adopted you
1: the mom that yeah my mother that raised me and so yep. i was looking for my birth mother yep okay and so, so you pay the the child can find a parent the parent can never find the child so long story short they contacted her. She never changed her phone number in Greenville, three hours away. And when they contacted it, they, they said, um, we're contacting, did you ever live in Atlanta, Georgia? And she said, yes. And I had a child and he was born August 2nd, 1970. And she goes, they go, I guess you know why we're contacting you. She said, yes, my child, he's looking for me. And they go, yes. And she said, I've been waiting for this call for 42 years. Hmm. And so three weeks later, I opened a door at her museum. She's a historian and a genealogist. And I got to see my birth mother for the first time. And we look absolutely alike. And uh, our families had intermingled over the years because we are three hours away and never been able to connect that. Um, My cousin was on a board, NAACP board with her 20 years ago for five years sitting beside her. Coming to the family reunion, hanging with me, had no idea that that was my mother. So, you, so you'd you actually seen
0: her. You'd actually seen her before you realized she
1: was your mother. No, my cousin. Your cousin. Had hanging with her. her. He lived in the town and he was on the board with her. So he's mm-hmm. hanging with her. And then he we had family reunions every year. And so he would come to the family reunion and he lived in Greenville and yeah. had no idea. So when I called him after we found out, I said, Tyrone, you know I'm adopted. He goes, yeah. I said, I've, I've been looking for my birth mother in Greenville. Who do you think I should talk to? She's very influential. He goes, I know exactly who you need to talk to, Ruth Ann Butler. I used to be on The Boy, you know, he's just giving all these accolades. Ruth Ann Butler's a historian. She could find your mother. And I go, five, five minutes later, I go, Tyrone, I said, I found my birth mother. Guess who she is? He says, no, Ruth Ann Butler. The phone dropped. He didn't come back to the phone for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow.
1: What,
0: what, what, what an amazing story. And, you know, if it's okay, I'd like to probe in on a couple of things mm-hmm. on that. Um, so I actually, t- tomorrow I have some longtime mentors coming to visit. Uh, he's a retired Marine Corps major. He was a Mustang, which, mm-hmm. you know, for those that, don't know he was enlisted and then became an officer,
1: an officer, or just a regular officer? No,
0: nah, he was a major, he, okay, he cool. retired as a major. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had an adopted daughter named Kristen, mm-hmm. who was Japanese. And mm-hmm. she was Kristen was born in Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. And they talked about <clears throat> how you know, for Kristen, it was really easy, she could look at them and you know, they're they're scottish white folks and she's japanese and you know there's no secret that she was adopted but she just had this desire to meet her mom she wanted to know where
1: she came from and and so what what would that feel like for you every every i'd say that every child that's adopted wants to know why yeah they could, my sister had never went on that endeavor. I know people in the area who's went out and found their parents, and but you want to know why? What 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 made that person give you up? That's mm. a big decision. My mother gave me up because my parents, my grandparents, were preachers and very pronounced in the area, and back in the seventies, an unwedded woman um, was looked upon downsided. So my grandmother, maternal grandmother, told my mother, birth mother, you can come back to Greenville, but the child can't. Wow. So that's why she had me and my uncle helped her, had me in Atlanta, Georgia, drove me to Greenville and gave me up. And the judge told her, you do realize you have just given up all your rights to this child. And she regretted that for 42 years. So when we found each other, her heart uh, reverberated so much. There's number of stories. She had a dog she had two years before I found her. She didn't name me. I was named by the system. So when I asked my dad and he showed my paperwork, my foster paperwork said, baby Benjamin. So not only I found out that I was adopted, not at six days, but three years, three years old, I found out my parents didn't name me. And then mm-hmm. the first question I asked my mother, did you name me? She said, I couldn't. So now I found out at 42 years old, I don't know who named. I got named by the system. So I was baby Butler, then Benjamin Butler, then Butler fell off. And my name is Benjamin Brown. No middle name. So I grew up kind of weird. No middle name. Everybody had middle names. And I was like, "Why well, I don't have no middle name. So when I opened the paperwork and said, Baby Benjamin, I told my father, I'm like, you didn't even name me. He was like, No. I'm like, don't you think that was kind of important? <laughs> so these things just get crazy. So she had a dog two years before I found her. The dog took care of her and protected her. And she never took in a dog ever. She lived alone. And the dog was uh, you know, would be around. It was the best dog ever she had. And the two weeks before I found her, she gave the dog up because she couldn't take care of it. Um and guess what the dog name was. What Ben.. Ah. And the day after I came and seen her that weekend on Monday, um, the owner had who had the dog, uh, I came and seen seen her fondly in Greenville that weekend and met my family. That Monday, the dog crawled up in the owner's lap and died. So that job that dog motivated her, kept her will going till I can come into her life. And she named the dog Ben. She had no idea of my name.
0: That is so bizarre. So if there was <laughs> a lesson, if you had a lesson for other adopted kids mm-hmm. and a message that you could share with them, what would that message be?
1: Um, if you're curious about finding out, find out before it's too late, um, you never know. It might be good. Um, each state is different. Um, I talk to my birth mother three times a week. It's a great relationship. And the family that I got to meet, besides that, is phenomenal. Your story might not end up by that, but that is your story. And every adopted child at some point in their life are curious about what life they would have led if they would have stayed with their mother. You know, might have been bad, drug abuse, you know, a lot of things that go on in people's lives, the reason they give up their children. But um, there's always that question. And if that question gets big enough, I tell people to take that leap and and find out, you know, you'll you'll be a better person for it. Even if you turn out and find out the parents wasn't what you thought it was, but um, it it will help that question in your mind because everybody has it.
0: And I think one of the questions that somebody might have that's in the same shoes as you, you know, you mentioned that you talk to your mom three times a week. Mm-hmm. How does that make your and your your mom that raised you, of course, passed away. But how does that make your dad feel?
1: Oh, well, dad wanted to go up there when I when I met her. And I'm like, I got to go myself. So they talk quite often. It has been an evolution of family. She's come to our house many times. She comes to our events. My dad has went up there and, and a number of times. So it is a co-mingling of the families. Um, so now her, she had 10 siblings. So my ex-wife used to say, how many family members are you going to have? You got 84 cousins. Now you got a birth mother with 10 more aunts and uncles. like <laughs> So so um, it's, it's it, one of the weirdest things is that I was a genealogist and I, I took my daddy's family back to Ghana, my mother's family back to the 1800s before I even met my mother and realized that Jean carried over because she's a genealogist and a historian. So I had that in me like she had um and and we have that much we have a lot in common so my daughter looks exactly like her if you if you see a picture real quick picture of my daughter and my mother's mother and i have a picture on facebook of my my grandmother which is four generations with a bow and i put a bow on my daughter and you put them side by side and i ask people um who do you think that is well that's your daughter and that must be your mother they look exactly alike. I know that's, that's her great-grandmother. Wow. Yeah, What what an amazingly
0: powerful story. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Let's, let's pivot a little bit. Okay. So, um, and we want to talk a lot about, you know, we want to talk about leadership and you've, you have, you've had so many interesting life experiences. I know you have a leadership story to share. Mm -hmm. So one real quick, you're, you're helping small businesses put sales processes into place, and right. what, and what do you? I mean, what, what's what would you say are the top problems you see that
1: they have? They don't have one. Um, most some businesses have, you know, you focus on marketing, you fo- focus on accounting, um, you know, these major things that keep the company going, but there's no sales process. So a lot of companies are winging it. It's hard to reproduce, and a lot of companies out there think they're doing well because they have what's called incoming leads. Um, if you've ever been in a business long enough, sometimes that gets cut off. Sometimes a competition comes in and you have to get more aggressive. That's when my phone rang or they realize there's a problem. So if there's no problem, people don't know what sales is. It's like, oh, I got these leads coming in. You're an order taker. It's the difference between that. Now with the email campaigns and email drops and you know, you have a, a way to influx people to come in into your business, but there's no process going out. Very few people can focus on outbound sales. Um, it's and uh, if you could do that, man, you can kill the market because a lot of people are just lazy. <laughs> they don't yeah. want, they don't wanna they don't wanna go out and take the rejection. And most people don't do sales because of that. And it has to do with confidence. So I build people confidence.
0: Now, one of the challenges when you go into someone else's company, Mm -hmm. you know, you're the outsider coming in saying, hey, this is what you should do. What Mm -hmm. do you
1: run into pushback from that? How do you manage that? I'm a problem solver. Every entrepreneur is a problem solver. So I look for problems. So in sales, there's different things that you can do to uh, help your sales, your CRM, your technological. What's your marketing bringing in Um, your sales pitch? How do you talk? Um, you know what is your closing rate all these things there's a number of things in sales that goes into the part I tell people sales is simple but it's not easy so you have to understand all these different things so I can go into a, for example a company that has a database they haven't exploited I can go into that database set up a calls for the previous customers because the best customer sell is the one you already sold and so referrals can come from that so you could do a referral program that's I've done that with a business that generated 40% more that year because they never paid attention to their previous customer. They're just going through new customers all the time. They go back through, we set up a call, go back through the previous, who do you know that we possibly can help? You're generating more leads for free. And the people are connecting you with people that they know, like, and trust, which is like networking, and you don't have to market as much. And they're in the same demographic. Most people are in the same demographic but they never focused on that. That's just one simple way of, of generating more income through sales.
0: Well, and that alone, that's, that's a huge takeaway. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk about a uh, little bit uh, leadership. So obviously you're in the Marine Corps and, mm-hmm. you know, the Marine Corps teaches a lot of leadership. What, <clears throat> what did you learn about leadership in the Marine Corps? And Ooh. what have you learned since you've been coaching people in sales?
1: Um, I took a lot from the Marine Corps. I was a sergeant and I was one of the ones who were kind of like doing that transition after we came back from the Gulf. I was in charge of a platoon of about 80 guys at one time. So responsibility as far as those guys being able to be prepared, dress well, physically fit, knowing what they need to do, get in the positions that they want. You know, Marines were action orientated. Right? You know, we had give us a couple of fundamentals and we'll just we'll just go from there. Um, and that's our deal. In most companies, it's the same thing. What are the action items that they're carrying? What are the leadership that they're carrying? Do you have people that believe in your leadership? It's the key. You can have it, but do they believe in it? Do they follow it? It's like a football team. After the coach, they say, loses the locker room, you know it's only a matter of time before they have to let him go, even though he's a good coach, because you have to have people that uh, follow you in that. So leadership, I find that uh, most people don't understand that, because there's a lot of individuals nowadays. And to be a leader, you have to give a lot of yourself and expect a lot of others. Um, so it's a character type deal. Do you have the character to be a leader? And you have to be understand some people are not. You've born leaders and you can make leaders. But um, yeah, are you, are you a leader or not? In some ways, what I do is I analyze that to figure out if you're in the right position to do that. If not, you waste a lot of people's time because that's all we have is time.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And time's the one thing you can't buy more of. Yeah, that's it. Well, can you think of a time in your life where you felt felt like your leadership was put to the test? You were faced with a tough decision. You weren't sure of the outcome of it, but you went ahead and made that decision. What was it and how did it play out?
1: I think um, my decision to leave my home after, uh, after a, a marriage that I couldn't save, um, mm. you uh, you you try to do the best you can. You think you're doing the best you can, um, and sometimes it just doesn't go your way. There's nothing you can do about it, and you have to make you have to make those decisions for you and for your family. What makes it better? Um, That was a very hard decision because I never thought you would make that type of decision. It's basically like taking somebody off life support, right? Um, And so to make that decision, but I had put things in place that secured that I did everything that I could before I made that decision. Um, But that was not being able to sleep in the same house as your children every day. That's hard. Um, But... um, You know, being able to do that, and uh, you know, the have them adapt to that, and uh, you know, give them everything that you can when you can give it to them. It's the best that you can do, and uh, I'm 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 doing the best job that I can with that. I'm not going anywhere. Um, they see that they they're with me fifty percent of the time now, um, and and the birth mother. I mean, their mother is good, and we have a good relationship. But that was very tough because one thing you want to protect in in this life is your children. And if you think that you can't sleep with them every night, you feel that like the marine type deal, right? Protection, yeah. the main thing guys provide, and not being able to be there uh, is something that I had to oh took a lot to get over that. Um, to to just just be able to put that down your throat is very hard. Uh, but I made the decision I'm better for it, and you just adapt and overcome right so you just move forward with those decisions it's like letting somebody go that you like um you f- you have to let them go and most people don't and you bring down 6 months later you have to let them go right so i tell most of people when i work with them in businesses uh we work in sales comp uh, sales teams when i get there i'm like there's some people that's not going to be here soon because it's it's nothing personal it's business so it's the same thing i had to go through with my kids it it was personal but it, it just had to be done and i had to look at it like that and move forward so making hard decisions is one of the number no one traits as far as being a leader and some people just can't make it well
0: yeah it's that is true well ben <clears throat> this has been a delightful conversation appreciate you Coming on leaders and legacies. Now, I understand you have a book called The Art of Closing the Sale. And the
1: um, um where can people find that and where can people find you? Uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's Master the Art of Closing the Sale by Benjamin Brown. The main thing is that my website is 360 Sales Consulting. But if they want to reach out and con- connect with me on a personal deal, I do have a 15-minute session for people that's in that type of situation where they're trying to figure out things. It doesn't take that long to figure out if I can help. And it's meetwithbenjamin.com. And I branded that for people to go in and schedule a session because time is so important, right? And people try to set up these sessions. So you have to have ways for people to reach out to you that's convenient based upon that. So meet with Benjamin. They can schedule a call session, figure out what they're doing wrong about their sales. Most of the people I work with generate 30, 40% easily in their business by finding the holes of what the stuff they're not doing right now, besides the point of what they need to be doing, which is key.
0: Excellent. Well, again, thank you for being on Leaders and Legacies. Thank you. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag leaders and legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss anything. Please go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, Please go to alliesforme.com or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.